0: Hi friends, happy Tuesday afternoon. I'm here to bring you some uh, encouragement for your business and life. So today I'd like to share with you about damaging assumptions that we make in our life that can very negatively affect our business, our relationships, and ultimately our relationship with God. What you believe to be true about life, about people, and about the heart of God determines whether you'll live a wholehearted, free, and abundant life or life bound by lies, fear, and uncertainty. A few months ago, I had a deep, meaningful, and challenging conversation with some friends about the things that we assume to be true about life, about people, and about God. Some of us were handed these assumptions by our well-meaning parents and church leaders, other assumptions we accepted based off of our experiences of what popular culture has embraced. My hope is to expose the lies that we may be living with and replace them with truth so that we can live the wholehearted, free, and abundant life that we have access to in God's kingdom. Romans twelve two says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. A common assumption about life is that life is about securing the good life. And goodness, do I ever believe this. I don't want to. I know deep in my heart that this life is not about that. But so many of my decisions revealed me otherwise. The evidence what we value most in life is where we spend the best of our energy, our time, and our resources. Do we spend the best of what we have for building a good life? Or do we spend it in building God's kingdom? We can also see evidence of this in our lives when we feel betrayed by God when things don't go how we planned. The feeling of betrayal is an easy way to reveal whether you're worshiping God or the thing that you didn't get. That reveals our idols. Idolatry is something that is difficult for most of our culture to recognize because we may not physically bow down to an image or a sculpture. But people worship all sorts of things even if they aren't physically bowing down to them an author that I highly admire John Eldridge says worship is whatever we give our hearts to in hope of a return of life we worship status money comfort appearance health family marriage careers travel vacation and the list goes on and on not one of those things are bad in and of themselves they can be very life-giving but they become idolatry when we try to use them to fill the space in our hearts that only God can fill and give us the life that only God can give. Do you see the simple shift there? Do we look to anything else to meet the deep desires of our hearts other than God? If God has his rightful place in our heart, then all the other things and people and relationships in our lives can be enjoyed in their rightful place because they're blessings from him. It also takes all of the pressure off of anyone or anything to meet our deepest needs that only God can. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's from Matthew six nineteen to 21 and 24. A great story in scripture that illustrates this is the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. Here, wealth is not the problem. It's this man's love of wealth. That was his problem. Jesus' questions and answers revealed the rich young ruler's heart. It was about lordship. Is your master money, comfort, perfectionism, etc.? Or is your Lord Jesus Christ? The assumption that this life is about securing the good life simply isn't true. It's damaging because it leads us to worship things other than God himself. But this assumption also causes us to lose our hope of reward. Well, my five minutes here on this chat is almost up, so I'm going to continue this on the next one. I hope you'll join me. Hi, friends. This is part two for our chat on damaging assumptions. I left off in the last one talking about why believing the assumption that this life is about securing the good life is not true. It's damaging because it leads us to worship other things other than God himself, but this assumption also causes us to lose our hope of reward. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we will live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. If we put our hope, into things of this world it will destroy our hearts that's what idolatry does this is why the greatest commandment is and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your mind all your strength God is a good father and a loving creator he knows how he fashioned us and if we love him how he designed us to we will naturally overflow with love for ourselves and for others imagine how this can play out in your life and business. When we live from a place of not clinging to this life, but instead eagerly expecting the eternal life that is to come and the reward that is to come in the next life, will we not love God all the more, love our relatives and our friends and strangers all the more? And will we not be able to work that much more heartily unto the Lord and serve our clients through our business as well? I personally feel like that's how it has played out for me. I'd like to move on to the next assumption. A common assumption about people is that maturity means we don't struggle anymore. Just saying that one makes me realize just how silly this belief is, but it's a belief that's held highly in many Christian circles and probably many business circles as well. You may be holding this assumption yourself if you find yourself shocked and dismayed at the revelation of someone's mistake, struggle, or public failure, whether that's in the church or that's in business. The truth is, we all struggle no matter the level of maturity, no matter no matter their level of success. Some just struggle publicly and others privately, depending on their personalities or the situation. This assumption is damaging because it sets us up to have unrealistic expectations for ourselves and others. It has also created a culture of shame within the church, and I also have seen it happen within the business community. The truth is, Jesus already took care of shame. When we heap it on to others directly or indirectly by gossiping, we're doing something that God himself isn't doing. He heaped it all on his perfect son so that we don't have to carry that burden. He wants us to live a life free of shame. We are clothed in righteousness. When we feel guilt, that's Holy Spirit convicting us of something we've done wrong, not shaming us and telling us we are, we are something wrong. Do you notice a subtle yet profound difference? The Apostle Paul, a man that the church holds highly on a pedestal, struggled. Even after 14 years of spreading the good news, he admitted to struggling with stress, self-doubt, and fear. You can see that in Galatians 2 and Ephesians 6. The culture of shame that exists in many circles sets us up for an inauthentic plastic culture. Please continue listening to the next recording for the part three of Damaging Assumptions. Part 3 of Damaging Assumptions The culture of shame that exists in many Christian circles sets us up for an inauthentic, plastic culture. It breeds a lack of authenticity individually and as a community. For fear of shame and judgment, people hide. They hide inside of their families, their immediate group of friends, and maybe worst of all, they hide inside of themselves. We put on masks and pretend to be what our unique brand of Christianity deems to be a mature Christian. This is heartbreaking because we are robbing our communities and the world of amazing people, each beautifully imperfect, but carrying a unique piece of the heart of God that no other person ever has or ever will. When we allow for and encourage others to be more themselves, clothed in the grace and righteousness of Jesus, they actually become more like a God. The good news is I feel a shift coming, a pendulum swing towards authenticity, true authentic community in real relationships. I've seen it and experienced it. I want to encourage you that it is possible. Sometimes you have to be the first person to model it if you desire that community in your life. Assumption number three about the heart of God, and this is a big one. Everything that happens is the will of God. This assumption has the greatest ability to destroy our relationship with God and trust in His heart. We have all experienced a tragedy, either personally or in the life of someone that we dearly love, that has caused us to question God's goodness. We have all witnessed terrible tragedies, both events and ongoing issues around the world that make us ask, If God is good, then why does this happen? First, it's a question that He can handle, so if you want to ask Him, go for it but it's a question formulated on the wrong assumption the truth is that we live in a broken and fallen world where sin sickness and death are still in the equation people also have a free will to choose God and to not choose him to choose to love others and to choose to not love others James chapter one explains that God does not cause people to sin God did not cause any of the terrible things that have been said or done to you by others however God can use all things for the good of those who love him. Romans 8.28 We also have an enemy that comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus follows that description in John 10.10 of the enemy saying that his purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. What a contrast. The unfortunate thing is, if we are being totally honest, how many times we blame God for stealing something from us killing something, or destroying our lives. It is no wonder so many people want nothing to do with God if those who claim to know him are talking and living like their God comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Ouch! Jesus teaches us to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. Why would Jesus teach us to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven unless not everything that happens on earth is God's will? It's because it isn't. We're instructed that you will know them by their fruits, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. However, holding on to the assumption that everything that happens is the will of God for Any amount of time will inevitably lead to the fruits of hatred, anger, cynicism, resentment, bitterness, disloyalty, and cruelty. There is no way to hold on to the goodness of God with this belief. If you're noticing that you're harboring anger and resentment towards God, I'd love to be the one to tell you it's okay. Read the Psalms, please. Bitterness is a disease that can only grow when it's stuffed and ignored. The best thing you can do is open your heart up enough to admit it to yourself and to God. He is strong and gentle of heart. And he can heal those wounds you have and set you free to live an abundant life now. I share about these damaging assumptions today. And the truths that hopefully replace those assumptions in your heart. Because I desire, friend, for you to live whole and healed so that your relationships with others and with God and your business that you are trying to carry out for Him, that you would be able to do so out of a full and a healed heart. I pray you're thriving today in life and business rooted in Jesus.